Hey, so how's it going? It's going. How are you? Um, well, I am here and I am drinking a Coca-Cola Zero. Nice. And tomorrow is 420 and I won't be celebrating. Blaze it. And <laughs> blaze it. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that's where I am in life. And um, I'm going to try very hard not to fall asleep onto my microphone today. So just Yay. every so often, if you could yell something just to wake me up, um, that would be great. I'm sure our listeners would love it, especially those who listen with headphones in at work, because um, we had several people message us this week and show us that they listen to us at work, yeah. which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I I like love those. Please keep sending them. They make me so happy to see you guys. Who was it that just listens on the freaking best beach in the whole world? Oh, that I yeah. want to go live on. Oh yeah, she collects a sea glass. Yes, and I choose to believe that her profession is in fact just fairy, and like yes. her, she collects sea glass and um, blesses the world. That is, um, I think it was Stevie was her name. Yeah, Stevie. Shout out to Stevie mm-hmm. who um, hunts for sea glass on the beach and listens to us. And like, how beautiful. And also, I meant to ask, what do you do with all this sea glass? Do you just keep it for yourself? Do you give it away? Do you make art? I would keep it for myself. Just forever? Just in a bottle or like? Yeah. Okay. Uh oh. What? Oh, I like made a thing big and I didn't know how to make it small again. <laughs> <laughs> um oh, so shit. it's time we actually um kind of give you a peek behind the curtains here. Mm-hmm. Aaron is actually the brains of this technological operation. <laughs> if there is a technology issue, Aaron has to solve it because I am clueless. Yeah, that's what happens. Uh, you didn't just reformat an entire document for me and then save it and send it back to me in a Word, a PDF, and a Google Doc so that I have all three for the future. That did not just happen. Right, right. Um, and Meanwhile, you were couldn't figure out how to unzoom in. That's not a thing that happened. No. <laughs> um. <laughs> I mean, luckily for you, you're going to stay awake during this one because I'm going to yell a lot. Great. This um, is oh, a fan pick. I was going to say, this week, you cannot be mad at me because we were asked to cover this specifically by um, a friend of the podcast, one of our like supporters since day one. She was an early Patreon member too. Um, it is uh, Joey. Joey, come on. Really? Joey uh, tagged me in a video on TikTok. The um, the woman who posted this TikTok went to school with the victim of this crime. And um, well, it's very it- interesting because I didn't realize it until the end. I remember this. I was okay. in high school when this happened. I remember yeah. this and I don't know if I remember it because my sister's obsessed with Marilyn Manson and he um, speaks a lot about this crime. 
or right. because I remember seeing it on TV at the time or for, uh, or maybe I talked, I don't remember why I remember it, but I'm, I remember it. It wasn't until the very end when they said his last name that I was like, Oh shit. I know exactly who that is. Right. So, um, yes. So Joey yeah. tagged us in this video of a woman talking about it. Um, and the tag just said something along the lines of like, ha ha paul you're so funny please make aaron miserable by watching this movie i'm totally kidding she did not say that <laughs> the, the look on your face <laughs> she would yeah. never if you could just hear me filling up my wine glass here um <laughs> so i just want to say and we'll talk more about it but um this movie is very topical there's a lot of parallels that i draw to what's happening right now with the derek chauvin trial and and this this movie um and this case and it sucks and everything is terrible the police are garbage and um yeah um i would like to also just so i can get my rant out of the way early i spent a lot of the weekend crying because 13 year old boys or girls or anybody do not deserve to be shot by police nope nobody never. deserves to be shot by the police like if i'm just being honest hey um, it's almost like it's not their job to shoot well, uh, you right especially when there's video of your hands in the air open that child was That's... just that he was a child he was a child he was a baby and I can't talk about it because I will vomit again. Um, I have been just wrapped up in grief trying to figure out why, we, how we have gotten to where we are. And so, I don't know how we can recover. Somebody that I know in my life, and I will not even say what my relation is to them because I don't want to target them too much. I am not related to them, however, because I would have just killed them. Um, tried to tell me that... Um, well, did you know his street name was Lil Homicide? And I was like, I don't give a single fuck what his street name was. I don't give one IO. Like, he was 13 years old. I was like, have you ever sat? In well, you have. Has anyone else ever sat in a conversation with 13 year old boys? They dumb. Well, exactly. Well, and I was like, I was like, it doesn't matter what his street name was. Actually, I have no, I have no, I didn't even try to verify that fact. I don't know if that is true or not. But I was like, I don't know, if, and I don't care. Doesn't even matter. if that were true, let's go on this adventure together and say it were true. Um, I don't think you understand how these things work. Are you aware that Ice Cube is not, in fact, frozen water? <laughs> Wait, what about, is like, Snoop Dogg really a dog? Yeah. yeah. Remember when he was a lion? That's why he had to go back because he yeah. was too scary as a lion. Too scary. Yeah. Um. So I'm just real mad. I'm real mad a lot. Too. I'm real mad a lot, a lot. Me too. It's almost like your job if you wear a badge is to um, de-escalate diffuse um mm -hmm. disarm not not you know kill it's it's yeah. almost like that's not your job you know here and i told 
another friend this last week. Human beings have proven like we cannot responsibly own guns. No one. No one can responsibly own a gun. So what we need to do is take all the guns, throw them away. We just yeet them to, to Mars, wherever. We'll just yeet them somewhere else. And then we'll just give everybody a musket that had a gun. You get a musket now. And you 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 have to think long and hard while you load that musket and make sure you get the right the shot off right the first time. So you can't pop off and mistake your taser for a gun, and you can't pop off and shoot a, a child that has his hands in the air because you have a musket and it's gonna take you a long ass time to do it. Um I mean I I see what you're saying. Hear me out. What if instead of a musket it's one of those things that's shaped like an ice cream cone that's got a foam ball with a string attached. Oh, yeah. And that's all you get. <laughs> I will say this. Like, it'd be entertaining to watch people shoot each other with <laughs> Can you imagine? Or, like, you know what? Everything has to be settled with the giant Q-tips from American Gladiator. Yes. That's a great idea. You're you welcome. know what? I don't want to make light of the situation because it's not light, but also like I, I I can't wrap my brain around this. More people have been killed by police this year than there have been days in the year. Oh my God. I did not know that fact. I did not know that, it, yeah, that to be true. That is, That's that is a fact. crazy. So um so, I, I just I mean, like i said the whole I system to... is broken we gotta throw it away throw it away start over just th- throw the whole thing away it's all garbage throw it away i just wanted to get that out of the out of the way because it would not be fair to adam toledo to not talk about it it would not be fair to me because that is heavy on my heart and it will come out if you said this is topical it will come out in just a rage spiral for me um, if I don't address it early. Um, and by the way, this is lifetime sentence, and I'm I'm just tired, existentially. Me too. Um, you know, I, I saw I will just end up saying this. You know, I saw some video of a protest this weekend, and um, instead of saying say their name, say his name, say her name. It was, we don't want to say another name. Right. That's that, I feel so, that on like a, mon- a molecular level. That's just shattering. Oh my God. Oof. Okay. So let's like get to this really depressing case. Um, and tune in next week when we cover the history of Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already crying. <laughs> Okay, this week I watched Bomb City. It was released in 2017. It stars um, Dave Davis. He plays who I call, okay, this whole movie, I did not know what his first name was because it sounded kind of like Brian and kind of like Ryan, so I just call him Brian Ryan. Okay. (laughs) He's from The Walking Dead, True Detective, The Big Short, and Logan. And he's going to be our biggest star in this What's his name? Dave Davis. Okay. Let me look him up. Oh, I know him. Okay. Yeah. Um, It also stars Luke Shelton. He plays Cody. Um, He's been in Watch Jessica Die and The Weekender. 
Um, and then finally we have May May Renfro. Renfro. She plays Jade. Um, she's from American Satan, Slick House, and Hunter Street. This really is an ensemble cast, so it's it's really hard to pick out like the quote unquote stars. These are the people that kind of feature heavily, or the story is really about. Um, so yeah. We open in front of a school. There's wind blowing and flags banging against a flagpole. One of them is a Texas flag, so I'm sure this story is going to be absolutely fucked. Um, Someone starts yelling about fucking shit up. We hear bottles breaking and a crowd of people yelling. Then a bunch of guys with mohawks get out of a car with chains and weapons. They're being approached by a much larger group of dudes in Letterman jackets, and I didn't know that was a personal nightmare of mine until just now. (laughs) Right. Um... We cut to some dude running on about teaching kids to destroy everything and whether that's a lesson we want to impart on them. I can confidently tell you from the year 2021, sir, that yes, it is in fact what we want to teach our children. Um, yeah. He pulls out a leather jacket and says it was once worn by a what quote unquote weapon wielding goon. And since it's a black leather jacket, obviously the goon in question was on a mission to kill. And I just wrote, is this a darker version of Footloose? Like, what is happening? Yes, that's... And then uh, they started to dance just the Macarena for three hours. And no wonder you know you're what? so upset now. Yeah. <laughs> um, we... Oh, sorry. Um, so the kid's jacket says destroy everything. And you're going to learn quickly that this trial is not what it seems. And I had a feeling pretty, pretty quickly off, but it's is all terrible um we cut away to an empty dining room oh i and i okay because they show the jacket that says destroy everything the leather jacket and i wrote because kids plaster their own personal mantras on all their clothes everyone knows that (laughs) you know because kids know everything when they're kids right jesus we cut away to an empty dining room with an interview playing. Um, he says they give people what they want. Violence. Cool, 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 cool. He calls a crucifix the greatest mass market piece of merchandise in the world, which he's not wrong. Also, he is Marilyn Manson. We'll get to it. Um, uh, so over this, we see the Mohawk guy on his skateboard showering at the car wash, like you do, um, etc. Then we see a preppy dude get out of his car at the football field. And I wrote, Oh, is this supposed to be Texas tech? Because we're also in Amarillo and that's not where Texas tech is. So I don't know what's happening. Um, One of the guys names on the uh, football team is McCormick. So this is footloose actually. Good. (laughs) I just choose to believe that these two stories were having it on a parallel at the same time. Okay. Good story. And this story. I'm in. (laughs) Two of the players get into a fight and then they all, you know, say the Lord's Prayer because, you know, football. Um, Mohawk and his skateboard show up to a concert. I think his name is Brian or Ryan, one of those. He goes in and gets in the mosh pit. Apparently it's his brother playing. All his friends hug him and his brother pulls him on stage to perform. They're drinking 40s, which is gross, but, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, They perform. There's a fire eater, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. Over at the football game, everyone's all rowdy in a different way. Um, The team is losing, though. But the juxtaposition between the two, they show, like, lots of clips back and forth. And it's really – it was done really well. Um, 
yeah. Uh, by the way, in case you didn't know, this is not a Lifetime movie. Not a Lifetime movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, so. was it, a, it was a theater release? This is an indie film. Um, oh, okay. Actually, um, I'm not sure if it was released in theaters, but it did win a lot of indie film awards. So, okay. Um, yeah. So after the show, Brian Ryan meets a girl, Jade, smoking in the alley, and she asks him for a light. He gives her shit about smoking, which he should. Um, he meets some other friends who greet him by throwing a bottle at him, naturally. Um, I thought you were about to say which they should, like just no. for for a parallel to what you just said. Well, just, I mean, that's what I do when I see my friends. I throw a bottle at their head. Right. Like, hey, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he meets a kid outside. This was so cute. He meets a kid outside that says it was his first concert. So like him and his brother, like they all sign his hat. Oh, it's like, he was like maybe 10 or 11. He's very cute. Um, God, this story is horrible. Um, meanwhile, over at the Mr. Frosty, they're all listening to coverage of the football game. And, oh, it's a high school that's just ripping off tech and they lost. Bummer. Um, <laughs> the players drown their sorrows in burgers and milkshakes. Our punk friends arrive and the football players attempt to stare them down, but they don't do a very good job. They just grab a pot of coffee and some cups and go sit outside. Um, one of the punk guys tries to convince a girl to go out with him and she's like, all right. So like, <laughs> it was just so funny. He's like sitting with her and he's like, so I think, I think you and me, like we should be a thing. Like I think. And she was like, Okay. Love it. Love it. <laughs> um, so, of course, the football players threaten the punk guys who and call them ugly names um, that I won't repeat because I don't say the F word and not fuck, just so you know. Oh, Flamingo. Yeah. <laughs> I had a dollar. Um, yeah, so the football players like square up to the punk guys this is like a tale as old as time and the football player calls the punk guy the f-word and then follows up by saying suck my dick which i feel like is a mixed message right no listen there's all these rules so straight guys have all these crazy rules for like these are fucking weird it's not gay if you force it and all this like it's not gay if it's rape didn't you know have you seen the tiktok of the guy that's like did you know that straight <laughs> men can have sex with other men and not be gay <laughs> yeah yes i mean essentially that's not how that works yeah no the straight guys have to lie to themselves Oh, God. They have to, so they can still be homophobic because their daddy will beat them. Is there anything I can do in the world to not be straight? <laughs> Don't no. <want> it. <sighs> okay. So there's a lot of shit talking that goes down, and then the football guys leave. They peel out of the parking lot, and one of the guys breaks the footballer's windshield. And the footballer is Cody. Corey. Cody. Whatever his name is. He sucks. So, um... <laughs> Back in the courtroom, the lawyer gives us the Webster's Dictionary definition of punk, and I just wrote, please go fuck yourself. I Okay, so when you have to grasp at straws using the dictionary, 
you're yeah like fuck you when one side of the of the court brings out a dictionary you know it's a bad day for them right oh god um he calls their clothes he calls their clothes their clothes a statement of malicious intent Okay, I have a question. Did the clothes say fuck the police? Because that's not malicious no, intent. That's not even malicious intent. There's a whole song about it. And also, fuck the police, dude. Um, Did their clothes say, I want to burn your house down while you're in it? No. Okay, then I think we're, we're done here. I just, I cannot roll my eyes hard enough for this nonsense. Um, so our punk friends wake up the next day all hungover to some dude banging on the door. It's their landlord looking for rent. So Brian Ryan is short on the rent. And so the landlord gets him a week to figure out the rest. Um, he goes to see his parents who are watching a show about nuclear bombs. And this is like a recurring theme. I guess during the time they were building a, a facility in Amarillo. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of like controversy over it. Um, yeah. They, which is how the movie got its name. It's really interesting. The, the, punk kids talk about this a lot and the jock kids don't ever do anything so well, of course not um and so brian ryan he's at his parents his mom is upset or i wrote oh his parents seem so nice and sweet like his dad kind of gives him a hard time about having a mohawk he's like go get a haircut and his mom is like here i made extra food you can take it back to your friends i'm sure all of y'all could use a nice home-cooked meal and i was just like these parents are so sweet um and so his mom gets upset with him though because the name of his band is white slave traders and he's like mom we're all slaves to authority okay (laughs) okay i'm glad that was in the movie too because that's in real life and i kept it out of my notes because i was so uncomfortable by it but it is factual and then i was uncomfortable by having left out the fact yeah so I, i i found his response to be you know, like really funny and off the cuff and a very, like very teenager. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing in my life yet. And so this is how I feel. Right. I'm just also glad that like mom called him on his bullshit so that now I can mention it. Yeah. Brian Ryan and his brother go to make some road signs that aren't actually road signs. And we'll get to what that is at the very end of my notes. Um, He talks about wanting to start booking bigger bands for the venue that they uh, work at. And then he takes off saying he has some stuff to do. That night, he goes out skateboarding and drops something in someone's mailbox. I think it's rent. And then there's just a lot of him skating around town. The football guys pull up next to him and call him a chupacabra and then throw a bottle at his head and it breaks, like, on his head. At least his friend missed his head. Right. Also, what kind of... What kind of insult is chupacabra? I don't know. It's Amarillo. It's not... It's barely even Texas. I don't know. (laughs) Um... Um, so the punks, oh no, I'm sorry. So the, yeah, the punks are over at their hangout talking about how the whole town is getting, is going to get blown up the, about, by the nuclear power plant. Right. Um, Brian Ryan is out on the street bleeding from the head and he does not look like he's doing well. Um, his friend Jade fixes him up with duct tape, which can totally be used during a medical emergency. I'm sure. Um, we can have Dr. Sarah tell us more <laughs> I was about say, that. Do we need to pay <laughs> he makes her promise him to always be armed somehow because they need equalizers. Brian Ryan 
they go to a party. He's brewed up some homemade alcohol, which everyone hates, but also keeps drinking because it has a lot of alcohol in it. So, I mean, that's okay. We've all been there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Desperate times, I guess. Um, So they all party and shoot fireworks at each other like you do when you're 18. Um, Did I ever tell you about in college whenever I tried my first quote margarita? No. What was it made out of? Oh, God. My fraternity brothers blended together frozen lemonade concentrate and plastic bottle tequila. So for years, I wouldn't try margaritas because I thought I didn't like them. And then when I tried them, I was like, oh, what I had was a science experiment that was failed. Yeah. yeah. But all my fraternity brothers just like downed them like nobody's business because it was alcohol. That's, <laughs> That's so what I'm reminded of. <laughs> um, Brian Ryan kisses his friend Jade. Aw, it's another boyfriend and girlfriend. They're so cute. So later, Brian Ryan and a friend are out tagging and get caught by the cops, but they manage to outrun them. Unfortunately, they get followed, and the cops request permission to force entry for taggers. Okay, great. Which I just wrote, no, we don't need police reform. This is all fine. Were all the police left-handed, too? Finally, the cops start screaming that if they open the door, that none of them will go to to jail. But if they don't, they'll take everyone to jail. Douche cop number one finds the electric box, and so he and his douche cop friend giggle together and decide to fuck with them and turn off the power. They literally say, let's fuck with them. They're, you're a police officer. What are you doing? What is wrong with you? Oh, my God. There. I wrote, here's an idea. Why don't you go and do your fucking job? so they cut the power and then barge into the place like the big bad strong men that they are and they arrest everyone they of course are unnecessarily rough with them they point guns in their faces they mace them the works um one of them starts feeling up brian ryan's girlfriend while he's handcuffed on the floor great i hate it then he sticks his gun in her mouth uh no and I wrote, this is a great movie. I'm so happy right now. Um, he threatens to kill Brian Ryan. And I can't wait till next week. Again, when we cover the story of Sesame Street. <laughs> Please. <laughs> um, back at the trial, the lawyer is talking about how all the police reports filed against the punk kids over the years, none of which are particularly damning. They're all like minor in possession, you know, um, Oh, like PIs and shit like that. Oh, so all the things that the jocks undoubtedly also had, but had parents who could pay it off. Oh, we'll get to it. Don't worry. Sorry. I grew up in a small town where the jocks were all wealthier than me. Fucking pissed right now. Um, Brian, Ryan and Jade adopt a puppy that they named stout. And I will tell you as soon as this puppy was adopted, I went to doesthedogdie.com to see if that dog dies. (laughs) Was this movie listed on Does the Dog Die? It was, but the dog doesn't die. Good. Yes. Um, Because I wrote, if this dog dies, I'm quitting the show. (laughs) Um, She finds the note. They're out in a field, like naming the dog and being cute. And she finds the notebook that's full of his ideas and lyrics, et cetera, and makes him read her some. 
And they're all like really like deep and like thoughtful and wonderful. But he's like, now just imagine me screaming. <laughs> I love it. I do too. It was great. Like I, I loved, I loved that he like had to set them. He's like, now I wrote these, but just imagine me screaming. And I was like, you know what? I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Now the attorney is expounding on the wonderful traits of the football player and what a wonderful person he was and how his poor parents didn't ask for this to happen. And this is the part where I said, I don't know who's on trial here, but I have a really bad feeling about this. Yep. So we see the football jocks drive around and then at a pasture party, they all Uh, scream about. Yeah. Sorry. Can I just say like props to the filmmaker for that? Like. That's some brilliant editing. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It's really, really good. Um, I, I, as much as I hated this movie, it was a really good movie. I, it was well made, and the story is just heartbreaking and like ripped my heart out and stomped it on the ground. Um. So they all scream about how they run this town. They're at a pasture party. There's a big fire. I mean, you know, you grew up in a small town. Um, Cody's friend who has dreads, even though he's white and shoots and, and, and no, stop appropriating black culture. Just stop it. No, it's bad. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Have you, have you seen the the TikTok where the guy is like, have you tried? And then he like shows a guy like an anti-masker argument. And then he just sprays him in the face with a water bottle. (laughs) That's what I feel like we just need to carry around for life. Listen, I, you know, I follow this girl and this lady on TikTok, this girl, she's not a girl, she's a woman. Um, and she talks a lot about like black culture and, and like why she often responds to videos by white people about, you know, why they should be able to appropriate black culture and kind of smacks them down. And, you know, I like, I went to the Bahamas once and I got cornrows put in my hair and I am deeply ashamed of that. I was deeply ashamed when I got him and I'm still deeply ashamed about it 20 years later. Right. (laughs) I hate everything. Um, Don't do that. You look stupid anyway. Um, Anyways. So this guy with the, with the dreads has managed to rig his windshield wiper fluid to actually be whiskey, which he shoots into everybody's mouth at the party this sounds like a horrible idea (sighs) anyways um so i just wrote why are men (laughs) right the cops pull up and oh it's the same asshat from earlier that was feeling up jade same guy the one that stuck a gun in her mouth so he just and he just comes and puts his mouth directly on the sprayer of the truck oh no this is what he does instead he tells the kids to go home because the party's over. He high-fives a couple of the players because, of course, he does. And then they all leave. He all but offers to tuck them into bed and read them a fucking story. He smacks their ass, says, good game, and then, like, says, I'm proud of you, hugs them, kisses so the them on the cheek and sends them home. Great. Yeah. So, of course, they go out and start pulling down street signs and doing things that responsible young men do with their free time. Um, over on the punk side of town, they're all surprised by a crash. Oh, and it's not, they're all, it's just one guy. I thought there were all of them there, but they weren't. Um, I was just not paying attention. 
Um, so he's surprised by a crash. It's the football guys. They like, they took one of the signs and like threw it in his window, like a whole ass street sign. Like one of the, one of the painted street signs. Yeah. I know what those are and that breaks my heart. Yes. We'll get to what they are. Um, well, we'll kind of get to what they are. I'm sure you can round out the details. Um, yeah. They just, they mention it in the ending. So shockingly, instead of going home, the football kids just moved the party to a parking lot. No. Um, yeah. So the one punk kid that was home when the sign came, you know, crashing through the window, chases after the football guy. And when he gets out of his car, he's greeted by all 50 of them. And they beat the ever loving shit out of them, out of him. Like, they beat him. I, I thought they were going to kill him. Um, so they finish, and he screams that he better. they better pray and threatens to kill them all. He gets in his car, um, but before he can leave, one of them plows his truck into his car. What fucking assholes. I hate everyone in this movie except the dog. Yeah. So the other punk kid comes home and finds the broken window. Um, he and Brian Ryan patch up the wall and then Brian Ryan and Jade like make stout a little crate of sorts so that he doesn't get like step in the glass. Poor baby. As they're doing this, the beaten the hell guy walks in. He tells Brian Ryan about how tired he is of being outcast in town and how they basically tried to kill him, which are my words, but it's true. Um, he gets a bat and decides he's going to go back out and confront them. Brian Ryan is like, this is going too far, but the guy gets all riled up. He gets everybody all riled up and they all decide to go to, um, and even Jade is like, dude, like you, like, please don't do this. This is a bad idea. It's a really bad idea. And she's right. It's a bad idea. Um, but to no avail. So they all hop in the truck and go back. And I, where is the dog? Who has eyes on stout? I need to know. <laughs> right. The damn dog. <laughs> Brian Ryan's brother is now on the stand saying he doesn't remember anything. And the lawyer asks him, oh, is that because you were drunk? Fuck you. I hate this guy. <sighs> um, so we're seeing this unfold as some people are on the stand testifying about it. So these maybe 10 punk guys roll up on 30 or so football players. Everyone is hammered. And so this is going to go great, obviously. Perfect. Um. A girl on the stand says these fights never really actually happened. That usually both sides just show up and talk shit. No one was ready for what actually happened that night. Jade says that she wanted to say something to him and make him come back to the car, but it was too late. So the punk guys pull up and the football players start throwing shit at them immediately. Everyone gets out of their car. Everyone has a bat. Like the, the fucking football players have bats. The punk does every, do they just like standard issue a bat if you live in Amarillo to carry well, around? Hey, Amarillo, <laughs> I'm not a sports player, but you don't actually use a bat for football. So you've been issuing your players the wrong equipment. <laughs> and if you pay taxes to Amarillo ISD, you should probably look into where your taxes are going because they are spending way too much in their sports budget. On bats. <laughs> on bats um, alone. And so the fight is on. Cody, the football player, drives up to the fight and just starts running people over with his car. I, I don't mean to laugh, but just the way you said that. <laughs> like, this sounds unreal. Oh. I know that that's what happened in real life. 
But it sounds like that scene in Anchorman. Have you seen Anchorman? Yes. Of course I've seen Anchorman. God. Well, you're not a stupid humor kind of person. I'm not either, but it's kind of a classic. Like, But it sounds like that scene where all the newscasters are fighting at this point. So he starts, like, bumping people with his car. So people are, like, scattering around and... um. And, like, meanwhile, he has his friend and his girlfriend are in the back of, of the car. And his friend, girlfriend is like, what the fuck are you doing? Would you stop? Like, what? Are you high? Like, what is happening? And <sighs> so they're screaming from the back seat. Cody busts a U-turn, like, or, or like, almost really a donut in the parking lot. And he sees Brian Ryan, who spots the vehicle and starts running. And I just wrote, I knew it. I fucking knew it. I knew he was going to be the victim, even though this whole movie made it seem like he was on trial. I hate everything. Mm-hmm. The football player. So he hits, like he runs him down, like speed runs him down. Yep. Like speeds to catch up with him and runs him down. It's, it's unreal. I cannot believe this actually happened. Yeah. It makes me like physically ill. The football players all cheer and then scatter. Fucking rats. Brian's brother cries over him and begs him to live while screaming for someone to call an ambulance, but all the football players are gone. Cody drives home while his girlfriend screams in the backseat about what if Brian Ryan is dead? What if Cody killed him? An ambulance comes, but he's dead. Um, back in the car, Cody tells his girlfriend and his friend that he'll tell everyone that they weren't in the car, which I mean, that's so stupid. Um, I like, I like that phrasing. I'll tell everyone you weren't in the car. So, uh, so I was driving and, uh, Stacy and Marcus were not with me. Um, so he, so they leave and Cody like starts crying and hitting his steering wheel and screaming. And I'd feel sorry for him, except that I don't at all. Not even a little bit. I don't, I just don't kill people. Maybe you won't feel guilty about it. I don't know. Um, This is why all teenagers need adult supervision at all times. Sometimes two and three adults on them, like depending Mm -hmm. on how teenager they are. I just wrote, it sucks to suck, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Brian's brother calls his parents and tells them to come to the scene, not even the hospital. No. Cody's girlfriend is on the stand describing watching her boyfriend murder someone and how it was worse than any nightmare. And I agree. Um, She says what Cody did was wrong, but it wasn't hatred. And then she looks that lawyer dead in the face and tells him, you can't defend what Cody did. And so I take it back. I like two people in this movie. There we go. <laughs> um, her and the dog. <laughs> they show a chilling fucking shot of Cody running up on Brian Ryan with a huge smile on his face. And I know it's conjecture, but I don't disbelieve it. Um, Not conjecture. Oh, God. Wait a second. Okay. The police come to Cody's house to look at the car. And now it's the prosecution's turn. Thank God Cody's lawyer is going to shut the fuck up for now. But don't worry, he'll be back. Um, The prosecutor talks about how 
he never even tried to break or swerve to avoid hitting Brian. And now Brian, how Brian had remained conscious as he was dragged under the car and how the impact was so severe that it tore his collarbone from his shoulder. Oh, oh, oh. Um, he says that the young people in the community, both sides of them, which I have to, there's good people on both sides. Fuck you. Um, that what have to know that what you do have consequences, no matter what you look like, how you dress, etc. Back at the scene, we see Brian's parents arrive to their actual worst nightmare and I hate it. Um, and now the defense attorney is talking again. And so I want to kill myself. Um, the victim blaming is unreal. Please go fuck yourself. Um, poor Cody had no time to think about what he was doing. And if he had to live it all over again, he would do it again. Which I'm not sure that that's what you're supposed to say to a jury. But it works. Spoiler alert. Um, Wait. If he had to do it all... If he... That's what he... He continues to victim blame and say that maybe he was destined, maybe Brian was destined to die that way. What? God damn. For real? Yeah, I wrote, I hope this guy gets crabs. He paints. I I hope this guy is hit by a bus Regina George style and has to survive it. And is in the hospital for a very long time in recovery. And oh, the day he is the released, thing he says. And the day he's released from the hospital, I hope he walks out to meet his loved ones in the parking lot, and an ambulance hits him on the way to an emergency, and he has to do it all the fuck over again. I'm about to yell, so pull over. Sorry, um, I, I already did that. Heads up. He paints Cody as a hero and a vigilante saying that he did the right thing. And oh my God, let me get into a courtroom with the murder of my child saying that he did the right thing and we will see what fucking happens. What the fuck? He did and the right- And then we cut, we cut to Cody leaving the courtroom because he got acquitted. And his father lets him drive the murder weapon home with him. Are you fucking kidding me? No. And the ending is, in 1999, Cody Cates was found not guilty for the murder of Brian Denneke. The jury convicted him of voluntary manslaughter. He was sentenced to probation and a fine of $10,000. The fine was eventually dropped. Um, We end up back on the radio interview with Marilyn Manson saying that Brian was killed and then killed again during the trial. And Cody was applauded at graduation for being such a great athlete and went off to college and to live his life like a normal person. Mm. He talks about the question he posted on his website, which is, quote, is adult entertainment killing our children or is killing our children entertaining adults? The final Chiron says, quote, in the late 1990s, Brian Denneke and his friends helped carry out the largest urban art project in the history of the United States. It is known as the Dynamite Museum. Today, over 3,000 unique signs remain displayed in neighborhoods throughout the community of Amarillo, Texas. And Brian Denneke was born in 1978 and died in 1997. My God. And I hate everything, so thank you. My God. 
I'm going to go, like, I'm just going to take a quick trip to Amarillo. If you hear something about it burning down, I didn't have anything to do with it. Um, but when she said a quick trip to Amarillo, what she meant is she is coming to Shreveport to spend two to six weeks. She will be here in 45 minutes and her phone will be off. She will, however, leave a crazed, um, Jody Arias style voicemail for somebody in Amarillo about how she had to stop for gas and how she was driving the wrong way on the interstate. And isn't that funny? God. This story had me in tears. And then when I remember that I knew it somehow already, and I, you know, I, I don't remember and I hate that I don't remember, but I may have even known somebody that knew him. And I like, I wish I remembered better. Um, this story is heinous. Yes. Um, and uh, I don't know where Cody Cates is today, but I hope he has crabs too. Permanent crabs. Super crabs, um, if you will. So, <laughs> super crabs. I just, <laughs> I, you have to have kryptonite to kill them. Listen, you know, here's the thing about crabs. It's like, it's not, it won't kill you. It'll make you miserable, but then you'll have to live the rest of your life knowing that you had crabs. And if they don't go away, <laughs> then you have to admit it to people. <laughs> or you don't, and then there's a whole lot of other stuff that goes on with that. Yeah. So, I like that. Okay. So, um, my sources at the top, I read... Um, Wikipedia, of course, there's the article, The Death of Brian Denicki. Um, There was a te Texas Monthly article that was really good. Um, a People Magazine article, um, a Vice article, um, something from Panhandle PBS. And then my personal favorite website, which um, I, in fact, sent you a screenshot of because you needed to know how professional it was. Yes. It was, in fact, red text on a red background, but the background was textured with red images. Um, and it was titled, in all caps, I have spikes with three exclamation marks. And oh. it can be found at the very professional members.tripod.com slash Amanda underscore Muth. So, um, I think Amanda Muth went to school with Brian from what it looked like. And so it was a lot of, um, a lot of close information, like yeah. someone who was close to the people well, involved. And I want to commend this movie. I forgot, you know, at the end, as they're rolling the credits, instead of the regular credits, they showed actual photos of Brian and his family um of the art project and of like how he was living his life and they showed they interspersed it with some crime scene photos it was really well done good really well done um i would so, i would hope that it was that it's close enough to what happened that the family was happy with it i think it was very poignant and and it was certainly incredibly enraging so um it, it, this movie is what was mentioned in that tiktok by the woman who was friends with him um mm -hmm. And so that is how we found out about it. Uh, again, thanks to Joey for pointing us to this case. Cause I did not actually know about it. And, thanks Joey. <laughs> um, it is an important case, even if it is tough. 
It but. is, no, but it's it's so important, and I think especially right now, I th- just the parallels between oh, you know, these people were bad, were bad, quote unquote, bad people, and they d- they deserve they would have probably died this way anyway. Fuck all of that, right? Hate, um, so in 1997, a teenage turf war erupted in Amarillo, Texas. On one side was the mostly clean cut jocks who played football at the local high school. And on the other side was members of the punk rock community. Um, And the skirmishes, which were both like verbal spats and fistfights, became more and more frequent and escalated in intensity until eventually on December 12th, 1997, the turf war turned deadly. Um, And I'm going to be honest, that setup sounds like just a bunch of bad tropes. Like if you wrote a book like this, it would be, it would not be believable to me. Like, no, it'd be like, you need to, an agent would not pick this up. Right. An agent would not pick this up. Like, oh yeah. Turf war between jocks and punks. Like, are you kidding? Like, oh, okay. Um, So the weekend before on December um, 5th, there had been a scuffle between the two groups outside of a coffee shop um, at which 17-year-old Dustin Camp, um, who was the center of the junior varsity football team, had gotten into an argument with several of the punks. I'm saying everything in quotes. Just know that, yeah. like, whatever. Um, it had it escalated. Dustin's windshield had been smashed. And though he denies it, the punks say that he'd taken swipes at them with his car before peeling off down the boulevard. Well, considering what happened, I believe it. Right. Um, so now, a week later, he'd returned to the coffee shop to see how, um, to, like, try to get a, get in a rematch. Um, beside him in his... Oh, but his... he was such a good kid, he would never seek out an argument like that. Right. Beside him in his... 1983 Cadillac set varsity tight end Rob Mansfield. And in the backseat was Rob's friend, Elise Thompson, who was this poised, serious minded girl who went on to graduate as the valedictorian of their class, uh, the class of 1999. Was it Um, not his girlfriend? No. So they, in fact, I would like to officially apologize to her for lumping her in as his girlfriend. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, you don't need that in your life. I apologize. Well, see, and the movie might have made it that way. They didn't, but I mean, they were very close. And, you know, he was like, hey, like, let's go. And, you know, she was, you know, just with him. So I made an assumption there. Um, Well, didn't you say that the person who committed the crime was named Cody in the movie? Yeah. Because his real name was Dustin. So that's what I'm saying. They could have taken a little bit of license. Yeah. Yeah. so, um, Elise had heard the rumors, but, um, and Elise is actually kind of the hero of this story, by the way. Okay. Um, so you mentioned like that she was the hero of the, te- of the trial and she really kind of was. So, um, Elise had heard the rumors, but she didn't believe that, um, they were going to be like anything more than the normal, like, you know, the normal spats yeah. that were going on. Um, yeah. There was a lot of talk, but boys rarely did anything more than throw a few punches. She kind of had justified to herself. But Dustin turned his Cadillac onto Western Street. The coffee shop came into view. 
and a large group of boy boys in varsity jackets stood outside along with dozens of students who gathered to watch knowing that something was supposed to happen that night several punks armed with bats and chains approached challenging the docks to a fight i know um the melee began now they i think they in fact referred to themselves as punk because they were part of the punk rock movement like they were inspired that, that, by that. I, that's so, true. And I feel like it's it's a word that has gotten thrown ruined. around. Right. It's gotten ruined by people that don't understand it. And so, you know, hopefully, like, let's just right. give it back to them. We're just giving so, it back to them. This, right. So that is, when I am using it, I'm using it in the way they intended for themselves yeah. as part of the punk rock movement. Um, so the, um, let's see. So the fight in the parking lot... broke out in a way that Elise realized she admitted later was like, this was very different than what she expected. She's like, oh Um, shit. So in fact, she expected whenever all this happened that Dustin and Rob would take her home. Um, But instead he steered his Cadillac toward the action driving and weaving through the, like through the brawl. Um, It was then that Elise recalled that Dustin snapped. Veering toward the crowd, he knocked one of the punks off his feet and onto the hood of the Cadillac. The boy, the boy stared in, in amazement before falling off to the side. Um, Let's go, cried Rob as the punks pummeled the car with bats and fists, making a thunderous racket. Let's get out of here. Dustin drove hurriedly toward the exit, then changed his mind. Circling back around, he jumped a median as he picked up speed. Spotting a punk, 19-year-old Brian Denicki striking someone he drove steadily toward him brian turned for an instant as the headlines drew nearer and struck the cadillac with a chain when it came too close then there was a thud brian rolled up onto the hood before sliding beneath the car elise looked over her shoulder and out the back window and saw brian crumpled on the pavement in a pool of blood quote i might have screamed she later testified i was having trouble forming words the emotions were so intense we were overwhelmed it was insane the Cadillac, like sick. Yeah. the Cadillac lurched out of the parking lot and sped toward the highway, leaving Brian dying on the pavement. In its wake over the course of the many months that followed, the city's sympathies would be defi- divided as it waited for the football player behind the wheel to be tried for, um, for murder. But in those first searing moments, as the Cadillac fled the scene, this is a direct quote. I think this, ca- this paragraph I took from the Texas Monthly because there's such incredible writers there. Um, But in those first searing moments, as the Cadillac fled the scene, all of that was um, all that was unforeseeable to the three teenagers inside. After what seemed an interminable amount of time, Elise leaned forward, trembling and asked the question that was no doubt on their minds. What if he's dead? But there was no what if Brian was, in fact, dead. So Brian Denicki was born in Wichita, Kansas. He was the younger of two sons to... Um, Michael Max Denicki, who went by Mike, and Elizabeth Louise Beaker, who went by Betty. Which Mike and Betty, they're so sweet. Like God, love that. Um, Betty and Mike um, married in 1974. Um, they had two sons, like I mentioned, Jason Michael and Brian Theodore. 
They settled in southwest Amarillo in 1981. Um, Danicki was a dancer in a Boy Scouts troop during elementary school. He attended Belmar Elementary, Paramount Terrace Elementary, and Crockett Middle School, as, and then um, Amarillo High School. Um, mm-hmm. He dropped out of high school during his junior year and earned his GED at 17. Oh, nice. Um, and then he was an artist for Stanley Marsh the third Stanley Marsh III's art project, um, which was called Dynamite Museum, which consisted of handmade mock road signs scattered across Amarillo, Amarillo city streets. Um, these signs are still scattered around Amarillo. They're beautiful. Um, and it, they make it this really cool scavenger hunt of artwork around Amarillo. Um, and, um, so he was this wonderfully talented artist um, and the fact that he was tapped by Stanley Marsh three was just incredible. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're not familiar with Stanley Marsh three, he was the artist kind of behind this project and he was arguably Amarillo's most famous resident. Um, he is perhaps best known for funding or sponsoring um, the public art project Cadillac ranch. Oh my gosh. Okay. I know exactly what that is. Yeah. So the same guy who brought, who, funded that and kind of was one of the creative minds behind that. He um, funded the creative team ant farm to put it together, um, hired Brian Danicki and his friends to work on this public art project called and the to our listeners. If you've never heard of Cadillac ranch, give like Google it. It's incredible. It's so cool. I couldn't even imagine a world where somebody didn't know what that was like, <laughs> but it's, it's Texas. So it's I Amarillo, Texas. Like I, I forget it. Not everybody knows that, but it, <laughs> just felt ingrained to me because yeah. Texan <laughs> like but yes but for real check it out it's really 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 cool it's um really cool. yeah and so if you just kind of a I you have to look at the pictures because it's even hard to explain but it is yes. literally just a row of Cadillacs that have been planted in sand that are a kind of rotating art project they are mm-hmm. updated regularly um most recent like in most recent Cadillac um Cadillac Ranch headlines, they were painted black um, with insignia for Black Lives Matter last summer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what they currently have on them, but they are usually pretty topical. Yeah, it um, is a rotating installation, so it changes. So even if you've been once, it will change. Yeah. It's really cool. um, so um, anyway, it just kind of shows the level of talent he must have possessed. Because not anybody gets to work with artists who, you know, create like iconic projects like that. No. Um, and then he was also. Like, the oh, vocalist. and then and then Banksy was like, "Hey, want to come hang?" <laughs> right. Um. So he was also the vocalist of a punk rock group called, as we mentioned before, the White Slaves Trade, the White Slave Traders. Um, <laughs> and he aspired to become a famous punk rock musician. And from what I can tell, they were a really good band. Like they had a lot of promise. They seem um, to be very popular. So. Yeah, so he was remembered by his friends. I'm admittedly being, not into the punk rock scene, but they seem to have like a, a following and, and fa- like fans. I, I love punk rock and I love like Screamo. You mentioned like, now imagine me screaming. And I was like, yes. Um, my sister's very into it. She and I are like the antithesis of each other. My sister's I'm, very into it. it. I never seem like somebody who's into that. It always surprises people when they catch me on a day when I'm listening to it. But like... Mm-hmm. Um, several years ago, I went with my best friend's husband, the one who I went on a date with my favorite, like to my favorite murder with. 
um we went to a concert of between the buried and me and Meshuggah who are just incredible acts but um it was just really funny because like everybody's there and they're black and they're like head banging. And of course I don't ever like look the part of somebody who's into it. So I'm in like my bright blue t-shirt and like, right. <laughs> like singing along with my opera trained voice. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, anyway, so Danicki was remembered by his friends as being friendly and charismatic. He was a leader. Um, he helped, local organized many local music events um he in fact was nicknamed sunshine because of kind mm-hmm. of the personality he Aww. he put out um it's, in his pictures he's so like adorable like mm-hmm. just ugh, oh, he was known for his spiked mohawk hairstyle he often wore a black leather jacket with a studded leather collar he sported homemade tattoos um, he was an enthusiastic skateboarder, um, and it was this interest which drew him first into the punk subculture. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, of course, like many of the other punks in Amarillo, um, he suffered a lot of harassment and bullying over this. Um, and so, the the people in Amarillo like they don't understand how insults and nicknames work, which is fine. Like I'm okay with that, but it said he acquired nicknames such as punch and fist magnet, which like I, there's worse you could be called. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, definitely is. And his parents were initially against his lifestyle. Um, but mostly they weren't actually against his lifestyle. They just warned him of like the possible prejudice from people in Amarillo. Yeah. Um, and his dad, in fact, said in an interview, quote, we thought that if we didn't accept him, we would lose him. You get to the point where you can keep battling with your children, but you realize you're not going to change them. And so, like, while they didn't... That's an important lesson to learn, Dad. Right? Yeah. So, like, while they didn't necessarily understand or agree with the way he dressed or looked, they were like, it's not worth it to fight because we would much rather have a relationship with our son, which is just great. In the movie, there was this really funny scene, and I and I hope, you know, these like really cute scenes. I always hope that they're real. You know that they're uh-huh. like taken from like real context. There's a scene where him, like he's outside skateboarding, um, and his dad's outside, kind of making fun of him, like what are you doing, da da da, um, and he's like teasing him about getting a haircut, and and Brian like does like a a flip or whatever and he falls and he and his dad's like i guess a helmet's out of the question and um <laughs> and brian looks at me he's like dad do you want me to look stupid and he's like <laughs> i love that and from the way his parents sound it sounds like if that's not accurate that that is in the spirit of their relationship yeah yeah um so you mentioned you and your sister kind of being the antithesis of each other. Mm-hmm. Brian and his brother, Jason were also the antithesis of each other. Jason was um, two years older. He was bookish. He was introverted. Um, and he dressed like very average, not very average, but he was That's like, interesting. Not, he was not very average, but he was not nearly as into the punk scene as like Brian okay. was. Um, Brian was gregarious. He was outspoken. He was, known as being strong-willed and restless but like his family especially said that he like rarely sat still 
Um, Jason said in an interview, he never took much of an interest in school and he wasn't an athletic star. If you're not an athlete, if you're not part of the culture, you're nothing. It was difficult for Brian to fit in. Um, and so because of that, that's when he and started. I know this is such a hard lesson to learn. And it's one that none of us learned until after high school. Not fitting in in high school is such a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. The people who fit if in in high school. If you were one of the mega popular peaked. kids in high school, you peaked in high school. Um, so, in fact, um, it was this, like, not fitting in that led him to take up skateboarding and kind of finding a group of people to fit in with. Sure. Um, and so he started listening to the music of his friends and he just realized that that was kind of his people. Um, it just, it just was like, um, fortuitous that, that those were his people all along. Um, look, I love me a good skater boy. It says, let me see. Um, the hard edged music and rebellious attitude appealed to Brian and during his years at Crockett Middle School, he began his transformation from a Boy Scout to a skateboarder with a streak of green hair to a full-fledged punk whose hair was fashioned into a mohawk with a handful of Knox gelatin. Um, which is so funny because now you can buy all sorts of like hair glue and stuff that will do that. But like, Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, his parents... Uh, for people that don't... Knox gelatin is what you use to make like preserves. Right. Like fruit, like to can fruit and stuff. Um, his parents were mortified. There was oh, arguing a- at home at first. Um, they, in fact, once attempted to cut Brian's mohawk off. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was before they realized that they had to stop arguing, apparently. Um, that may have been the tipping point. Oof. Right. Quote, I can't he had imagine a- that went over very well. Right. He had a real strong opinion that it shouldn't matter how he had his hair, how he dressed. Um, even though he was right in the theoretical sense, it didn't matter. We knew society would judge him and that there would be consequences. His father explained. And of course he did not mean what eventually happened to Brian. That is not the no. consequence he meant. That's um, not a consequence. That's murder. Right. So um, Brian became known as one of the most controversial looking punks in town. Um, his arms were covered in tattoos well before sleeving was um in kind of the zeitgeist that it is today um he dyed his hair blue he pierced his nose he wore a studded uh, dog collar um he wore t-shirts with slogans like destroy everything there's oh no danger will robinson danger danger um says the guy defending the guy that ran him over and killed him right so um Marsh, the artist who hired him, said that he had a real sense of theater about him. And that's kind of the thing that attracted him to him. He said, quote, um, he was a smart ass and that's why I liked him. He walked around asking for it and he grinned all the way through it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Brian didn't have a car, so um, he walked everywhere and that made him kind of a blatant target because he was very visible. Um, let's see. Um, one of his friends, Jennifer said people tried to start fights with him wherever he went. 
when people drove past him, they flipped him off or ran their mouth, calling him a freak or an F word or a worthless piece of trash. He'd smile and say things like, oh, you're such a big man. He'd point out and he'd point out how ignorant, ignorant they were, try to broaden their horizons. And sometimes they'd listen. Um, For protection, he began wearing a smiley, um, which is a chain fastened to his belt loop with a lock on the end. And um, in the 10th grade, he responded to taunts for the first time with violence, finally fed up with students yelling insults at him and splashing puddles on him as he walked to an Arby's nearby school for lunch. He lost his temper and threw a rock at another student's pickup. And so he was put on juvenile probation. And so that's when he dropped out of school. Um, So not long after that, at the age of 17, uh, you know, he got his GED and he moved out of his parents' house. So he took up residence in an apartment that was above this, a punk club that no longer exists called the egg. And um, he was made ends meet by washing dishes at the catfish shack, um, which is kind of the most Amarillo statement I've ever said. (laughs) (laughs) Once he'd scraped together a few hundred dollars, he decided to see what was beyond Amarillo. Um, With a stray dog in tow, the dog that you mentioned, like, is real. Stout, yeah. I don't think that was actually his name, but um, yes. Stout, and then Jennifer. Oh, Jennifer was his girlfriend. I said his friend earlier. Jennifer was his girlfriend. I think Jade was her name in the movie. Um, So he and Jennifer hitched rides up and down the East Coast. Um, That's cool. Yeah, so they lived by their, like, just kind of lived on their own. They collected cans and they polished rigs at truck stops for spare change. They went dumpster diving occasionally. Um, and then after four months on the road, they returned to Amarillo and, um, that's when Brian began working for Marsh, putting up the road signs. Um, some had like weird kind of, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, surrealist paintings on them. (laughs) Others had these like absurd sayings on them, like road does not end. Um, one of his favorites said Lubbock sucks eggs. Yes. They show that one. I love that. Which Um, Lubbock Lubbock does suck eggs. Right. I concur. And, um, so Brian thrived in this carnival-like atmosphere, um, which is why painting these signs and putting them up in this kind of like absurd, surreal kind of caravan of, of gypsy artists, people who were mm-hmm. around putting up their signs like that was perfect for him it was exactly yeah. where he kind of belonged um he uh they um marsh would blast bullfighting music out of a pink 1959 cadillac <laughs> and a yellow submarine themed hearse accompanied by a pig named cinderella um, and occasionally Marsh would wear a top hat and read poetry while they were putting up their artwork. So like, it so sounds like a what you're saying me. is like, this kid was like really fun and creative and smart and dynamic. Uh-huh. But everyone was like, mm, he has a mohawk. He scares me. 
yeah he just he just needed to get out of amarillo forever like it just wasn't the place for him he needed to pack up and move to austin he would where he would have been understood and thrived yeah um or even like seattle like it was the late 90s so i i i like see him going you know it's you know san francisco seattle Seattle, any of those big art scenes the pacific northwest yeah Uh uh-huh um so brian would walk door to door trying to persuade people the people of amarillo to allow him to place dynamite museum signs in their front yard um and he actually was really charming to adults even like despite i use in air quotes despite his looks you know um he let's see marsh explained it's almost like that's only one part of his personality no so weird quote he looked bizarre but Ugh. he could walk toward people with his hand out grinning and they would like him before he got to their front door marsh explained i called him sunshine he was boisterous optimistic fun so sunshine just stuck so in my in my imagining of this story he leaves amarillo he goes to the pacific northwest he like does all the cool things and then he comes back and he runs like as the cool like city council whatever because everyone loves him you said runs and i thought this was going to be like a flip the script and i was like no we're not running anyone over in your version (laughs) no one's one's getting run over no he runs for like city council or he becomes like the kooky mayor of amarillo that everyone like loves even though he's like super leftist but and they're all on the they're all republicans but they're all like but we love him he's so funny like i love this i love this (laughs) Um, so Brian just kind of assumed this larger than life place in Amarillo and especially among like the punk subculture that he'd been so embroiled in, Mm -hmm. um, that he'd become such a part of rather embroiled makes it sound negative. Um, so, um, he brought traveling bands to town. Um, in fact, he earned a lot of money through the dynamite museum and he kind of invested that into bringing all these bands in and making the eighth street house um a refuge for a place uh uh, the eighth street house was this place he was kind of building that was a refuge for kids who didn't have a safe place to go so it sounds Um, like he got into this culture and then kind of decided to try to make it his own and 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 do good with it yes so he he realized there was a, a need for almost like philanthropy within it. And he he realized that kind of a lot of these people who he was spending time with had a lot of needs that he could help meet. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he helped meet them. Um, So he built this eighth street house, which he did not like build it, but he created this, this community um, that he brought people in. He provided them with food and a place to sleep um brady clark who was a former bomb city skin which is his first band mm-hmm. or one of the bands he was inspired by it was really hard for me to follow that bomb city skin but it was either his inspiration or his first band okay something to that effect um so brady clark said brian's main goal and he had saved a lot of money for it was to start an all-ages place for bands poetry art and theater he wanted to have a place where kids could hang out be in their own element and not get harassed by a bunch of drunk rednecks he wanted to give everyone something constructive to do with their free time. Sorry. 
I would have. No, nope, you got me too. Don't. I would have killed for something like that. I doing this research was really hard for me because I identify yeah. a lot with Brian. Yeah. In that I was the artsy kid who grew up in a small redneck town. Um, I just stayed at home all the time. That's how I dealt with it because I couldn't, I couldn't have survived out in public. This story is just so horrendously awful. Yeah. So, um, however, while he was working hard to give everyone else something constructive and wonderful and good in their own free time, he was fighting his own battle with alcohol addiction. Um, and so his blood alcohol level on the night he died was very high, actually. Um, but it does was... it mean that someone deserved to run him over? No, not nope. at all. Um, it was 0. 0.18, nearly twice the legal limit um, on the night of his death. That night he'd spent the previous few hours. So it was not as high as I'd been led to believe, but it was still, you know, pretty high. Um, but um, he'd spent several hours drinking leading up to that point. Um, and... Um, sorry, I got lost in my notes. Um, that night he'd spent previous few hours with at his brother Jason's house, listening to records and drinking beer before deciding to drive up to Western street. Um, and then I think it was Texas monthly said, quote, whatever Brian's mo motivations were when he joined the fighting, whether it was out of loyalty, vengeance or drunken bravado, Jennifer was sure that he didn't expect to die. I remember after he was hit, there was a cheer. She said flatly, steeling herself God, against the heartache of the memory. No. We ran to him as soon as he went down. He was trying to talk, but there was too much blood coming out of his mouth. So Jason just put his arms around him and held him while he died. What the fuck? Um, so as the Cadillac sped away... I don't away know if it's like the fact that I was in high school... When this happened, like, and I, like, and even though I don't know these kids, I know these kids. Right. I know who they are. And God, this is just, I don't, you, and you know, I don't ever cry on this show. And this is like, this is gutting me. Yeah. Um, so as the Cadillac sped away from Western Street, Elise Thompson sat in the back seat, stunned in silence. Um her mind reeled uh let's see the dude and she recalled that dustin camp said y'all don't have to go down with me i'll tell them you weren't in the car like that was actually what he said and again <laughs> i just dude uh, get wrecked i hate you um But we were in the car, Elise said firmly. Um, so, yeah, then, that's her response to him as well in the movie. And then his friend turns around and he's like, I don't think you understand what a big deal this is. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure she fucking does. And that's yeah. why she's I arguing mean, with you. That's directly from her testimony. She said, Rob turned to her and said, 
first he called her Nancy, which is her first name, like to show his power and authority and brains over her. Um, and she, he said, "You're an eighteen-year-old boy. You don't have a brain, right? I don't think you understand how serious this is." Um, so that's when Dustin lost his composure and broke into choking sobs, banging his head against the steering wheel. Um, but later, I don't know if I transferred this into my notes, but he had looked at. Um, let me find this quote because this is. You know, I'd feel so bad for him if he didn't bring all of this on himself and then get off scot-free. Right. Um, this, I left out of my notes on accident, but um, Elise also said that camp turned, and I might have put this later in my notes, I might have just rearranged, but uh, I just want to say like for him to break down and cry now um before he did it he turned and looked at rob and this was according to elisa's testimony oh god um and he said i'm a ninja in my caddy with a big smile on his face and then when he hit and ran over brian he said i bet he liked that one and drove off so i don't feel bad that is horrific Uh uh-huh and poor Elise is just in the car like what who the fuck did I get in the car with like she's like how did I end up here and I gr- a girl again I'm so sorry that I said that he was your boyfriend I apologize <laughs> um yeah and so then oh get fucked I don't care about any of this information about Dustin so yeah, he's the worst <laughs> oh yeah so the media would try to paint pictures using quotes like Dustin has a million dollar smile and a sense of humor that's contagious from one of his family's friends. Brock um, Turner is such a promising young man. Yeah. Um, Eric Chauvin was just doing his job. What's yeah. her name that killed Dante Wright? Just, it was a tragic accident. She just reached and she just grabbed the wrong weapon. I'm yeah. so sick of these fucking excuses. Ugh. So Dustin returned that home returned home that evening um and claims he didn't sleep i don't care um yeah but elise and rob decided to wake their parents when they got home and drive down to the police station so rob actually elise talked rob into confessing also um and so at least there was that at least somebody has a conscience in this story right so their accounts of what happened made for damning evidence against their friend. And so Except it, not damning enough. Right. And so at dawn, police officers arrived at Dustin's house and arrested him on a charge of murder. Um, so first he said he was alone in his car. And then he said he was trying to help a friend who was being beaten by Brian. And that Brian had just tripped and fallen under the wheels of his Cadillac by slipping on ice. It was December. Yeah, December 12th. I mean, ice doesn't usually hit Northwest Texas till like January, February, but whatever. Right. Um, so Elise said in her, either her testimony or her statement to the police, quote, Dustin's fault that night lay in intimidation and fear, not hatred, but what he did was still wrong. A lot of people tried to defend him, but you cannot defend what he did. Thank you. 
And then she said that she fell into a severe depression, unable to get out of bed. And she said, I I can imagine. She said, I didn't feel like I should be alive. I felt so guilty. I ran those few moments over and over again in my mind, trying to figure out what I could have done different. People tried to comfort me, but they didn't understand. So I won't go into too much detail because I don't want to betray someone's trust. Right. I know someone who recently barely escaped a mass shooting and had the shooter walk by them. Oh my God. During the attack. And I cannot imagine how emotionally scarring that is to witness other people die and then just be expected to just like keep living your life. Right. Like, cause right. The world keeps turning, life goes on, whatever. And it just, that kind of stuff, like just stops me in my tracks. I don't, cause I wouldn't be able to, No, I, there's no way I, I know for, I know myself, I would not be able to recover from that. And I just, it hits different when it was somebody that was like an innocent bystander who has been forced by whatever circumstance to watch this horrendous thing unfold and now has to just like keep living yep so horrible so elise hopefully with lots of therapy but it doesn't say um when they graduated that year or when she graduated in i think 1999 she was that Mm -hmm. was her graduation year um she actually spoke publicly for the first time about what she went through um, in her valedictory speech. And she said, quote, on that evening, a boy lost his life and with him, a part of many people died. Nothing else I have experienced has so greatly molded who I am and what I think. I hope its message can penetrate your heart. Two groups of people. Uh, and then like describing how the, she described how the, uh, fight was waged between quote two groups of people who wore different types of clothes she urged her classmates to rethink their own prejudices toward another so i challenge you and me and all of us to break through the stereotypes with which you have been raised i challenge each one of us to see the art the beauty of humanity and others you know it takes a long time after you leave high school i think but and i can look back at this At that time now with a lot more clarity, you think everyone is so different than you. Mm -hmm. Mostly everyone is exactly, they're growing up in a similar household. They have similar problems, but you create all these boundaries between like the way you dress and whatever. And it's so stupid, but of course you're a kid and you don't realize it until it's so, it's way, way too late to go back and fix anything. Just, oh, I hate it. Yeah. So, um, at the trial, um, Dustin sat basically emotionless for the duration of his seven day trial. Um, though he did occasionally flush with embarrassment when his friends took the stand. Um, assistant district attorney, John Coyle said, quote, we believe that the evidence will convince you beyond a reasonable doubt um that this was not an accident that this was not justified and that the defendant intentionally and knowingly murdered brian denicki um so the prostitute the prosecution (laughs) as one of my students for just a minute (laughs) oh my god 
the prosecution presented compelling evidence against Dustin. He never applied his brakes or turned his steering wheel as his Cadillac approached Brian. He fled the scene of the crime. He lied to the police. But it was his defense attorney, Warren Clark, who set the tone for the proceedings when he put the punks and Brian's character on trial instead, transforming the murder trial into a condemnation of the punk scene at large and Brian's character. I mean, yeah. I mean, nothing says my client is innocent. Like, look how guilty this guy is. Mm -hmm. He totally deserved it. Ah! Ladies and gentlemen, Clark began, this is not a case of diversity or tolerance or judging people by the way they dress. This is a case about a gang of young men who choose a lifestyle designed to intimidate those around them, to challenge authority, and to provoke a reaction from others. Uh, but his name was Lil... Fuck you. Lil Homicide. Whatever. You know what? Here's the deal. I guarantee you, for real... That de- that detective, that defense attorney didn't take the time to learn anything about what punk culture really is. No. And at least I've done that, even if I'm not a part of it. Fuck you, man. Get fucked. A conspiracy was put into play to kill and maim these high school students. Oh, give me a goddamn break. I'm sorry. I'm just going to keep screaming while you read <laughs> His client, he argued had no other option but to protect the life of his friend, whom he suggested Brian was beating. Dustin had no time to think or ponder. He had to take immediate action, and he took it. And if he had to live it over again, he would do it again. He literally... Yeah, he literally fucking said that. How do you say that to a jury? And then they're like, oh, totally. I get it. Yeah. Oh, I did move that quote about I'm a ninja in my caddy to this part. And like the defense, I mean, the the jury heard those words. The jury heard Rob and Elise admit to that. Um, so then the prosecution... The prosecution spent much of its time chipping away at the defense's assertions. For instance, testimony suggested that it was another boy, John King, not Brian Dennecke, who had struck Dustin's face in the parking lot. Additionally, that comment, I'm a ninja in my caddy, um, hardly reflected the state of mind of a panicked teenager trying to save a friend's life. Why don't we just focus on the fact that he ran someone over and killed him? Uh-huh. Um, if you are behind the wheel of a car, you are not in any kind of imminent danger to where any kind of self-defense is a motive in this situation. Fuck you. The trial, however, ultimately belonged to the defense. <gasps> tried to establish that Brian was just a belligerent teenager prone to violence who was therefore an imminent threat to Dustin and his friends. Quote, I had never seen eyes so cold and dark, testified Brian's former Boy Scout troop leader, Tom Sherlin, uh, about an argument they'd had over a skateboard when Brian was 13. He told me that I was a son of a bitch and that he didn't need to be in my troop anyway. The police officer, Jeff, Jeff Stevenson, Jeff Stefferson is what I tried to say. <laughs> you know what? We're, we're just going to call him Jeff Stefferson. He deserves it. I guarantee Jeff Stefferson, who had arrested Brian for disorderly conduct when he was 16, 
said that Brian had shouted obscenities when the police officers tried to clear the street outside of a busy punk club. Oh, so that makes him run over a bull. Like, you know, it's the same shit with uh, Adnan Saeed. Uh huh. Like, oh, he stole forty dollars out of the out of the offering, whatever, whatever. I I uh-huh. I apologize. I don't know what they call it in the Muslim, right. but it's it's but like the, the offering equivalent plate. of an offering plate, right? Yeah, and and I'm sorry, and that makes him a, a murderer, right? Uh, what? And you know, George Floyd did drugs that one time, so that makes his death okay. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm not through with the theatrics of the defense. Oh, God damn it. I'm leaving. Uh huh. <laughs> Another officer, at the request of the defense, held up for the jury each item of clothing that Brian had worn on the night of the fight camouflage pants, combat boots, chains, and a ratty t shirt, as well as a photograph of him with a mohawk just to show that he was a danger to society because he had hair. <laughs> Motherfuckers. I hate everything. I'm never going. I will I will drive around Amarillo. I'm never going to Amarillo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am so... so like, Amarillo is in such time out that you're just going to avoid it. <laughs> I am so worked up right now. Like I'm an, I need you to finish so I can go scream in the shower for an hour. <laughs> um, in fact, I have a question real quick. Oh God. Do you yeah. still have that neighbor who drives in circles through the parking lot just to be Yeah, like, totally. Go, yeah. go scream at him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I hate that guy. So though any of the evidence had very little to do with the case against Dustin, um, the you jury just was reminded that Juan was a blonde, all-American, eighteen-year-old who played football. Which with Mohawks are scary. The lifeblood of America. Football is America's second favorite pastime after keeping up with the Kardashians. And don't you dare! I don't, don't want you- your life. <laughs> <laughs> um. While one was, you know, the blonde all-American center of the football team, the other dyed his hair and put gelatin in it, for cripe's sake. God, I have to save the children. Um, Gelatin. It's not safe. It's not safe out there for our kids. Also, um, Dustin took the time between his initial arrest and the trial to shed no to shed all of his like muscular physique so he'd look a lot slimmer and therefore oh he did the brock turner yeah brock turner did the same thing yeah Uh yeah yeah Yeah. um fuck that guy too so um then he the aaron hernandez did it too yep but that's the, a, I mean, that's a slightly different case, but the defense made sure that he used words like, you know, God fearing boy and all American and all those things to refer to his client um, and things like thugs and goons to talk about um, I mean, Brian. You're, and his a pra- you're a practicing Christian. Uh-huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. What does God think about murder? I forgot. Uh, let's see. 
We will have no other gods, no other gods before him. We will not be forced on one of anything. We will not say that we will not say. We will not be It's like one of the commandments. I just had to go through the song. It's like it's, there's one of the it's one of the big ten right there. Like he's not a fan, right? Not a fan. Right. Not yeah. a fan of the murder. Yeah. But second Lorinthians fourteen seven does say the holiest pigskin aboveth all other yeah. doth thou I only speak King James, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> second Lorinthians is like the worst book. <laughs> <laughs> That is a Medea quote. I can't take credit for it. So, um, basically, basically, I just, I don't understand these people that go on their stand and they're like, but I love God. I wasn't thinking about him when I murdered this person because he said not to do that, but I love him. Here is, um, the end of the attention I'm giving to defense before I go to the end here. Oh, thank Um, God. Quote, what Dustin Camp faced out there was a mean drunk with a weapon. Somewhere in the infinite processes that make a man, a boy into a man, something happened to Brian Denicki. His manner of death was unfortunately the end result of his choices over the last six years prior to his death. You could even argue that he was destined to die the way he did. He was a violent individual and it took violence on Dustin's part. Dustin pointed toward his client as his voice. Oh, sorry. I skipped a line. Dustin Camp's part to put an end to further violence and to save an innocent life. Clark paused then pointed toward his client as his voice reached a feverish pitch. Let this boy go home and restore him to his family because he did the right thing. I imagine he thought he was a Baptist preacher right there. Like that's what I was channeling. I am so glad I wasn't on this jury. I would have held them there until I died. I would have held them there until I died. I would have been the one holdout and they know. Oh my God. First of all, if your defense is that the, the, the victim deserved to die. Uh huh. Who the fuck are you? Who uh-huh. the fuck are you? I hope this. You know what? I thought. I thought. I hope he had crabs. I hope he's dead. I hope he's dead. Sorry, not sorry. Um. So, after several hours of deliberation, the jury convicted Dustin not of murder but of manslaughter, deciding, in fact, that he'd acted recklessly, but not with intent. So he was you drove your car into a person. Um, he was sentenced to 10 years probation and a $10,000 fine. Um, so let me see. I, um, yeah, they found him guilty of voluntary manslaughter. Um, both camps attorney, and the district attorney found this to be uncommonly mild. Like, even his defense was like, oh, well, that was real nice. I, f- I figured we'd be getting at least some jail time, but, like, I'm okay. Um, the jury refused to comment after this trial, stating the welfare of the families. Um, and then, in fact, the um, 
the families uh, uh-huh and then the judge realized that it was going to create such an outrage that he had the names of the jury sealed forever so you can't get that information um and then basically what he said let's see um Alternate juror Wade Colvin said he was completely surprised that the jury did not convict Camp of murder. Alternate juror is like, oh, fuck, let me tell you how much I thought he was guilty. Right. Uh, he said, what struck, what stuck with me more than anything, I felt like Brian was running away and Dustin had a chance to stop his car. Um, and then he went on to say he thinks the jury gave Dustin a second chance because he was young. Um, he said, I had those thoughts too at first about him being so young, but he did wrong. Um, so in June of 2001, he was apprehended for underage drinking and was arrested for an MIP while, oh, on, sure pro- while, while on probation. probation. So Michael Camp, the father of Dustin, attempted to cover for his son's probation violations. Oh my God. So Michael Camp was formally charged with making false statements to the police. He was sentenced to 60 whopping days deferred adjudication, which is a type of probation that means it disappears from your record once you've served your time. And a $100 fine after a plea bargain. In September of 2001, I'm going to scream, Dustin Camp received an eight-year prison sentence for violating his goddamn probation. He was paroled in 2006. He served more time for hold, having alcohol as a child than for fucking killing a human life. Cool. Um, next week, we're going to rename the show Sesame Street Sentence. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to review episodes of Sesame Street forever. Because... <laughs> I don't know why this case broke me. This case broke me. I'm broken now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, His brother was also arrested and served a year of probation for buying the, the alcohol for his brother. Um, cool. So there you go. Why don't um, you throw the whole fam damnly in there? Just throw them all in jail. They all deserve it. Right. So one If of you raise part- a kid that can run someone over and murder them and then you like come to their defense one of these articles and i wish i'd written down which one this was um this might have been oh i don't remember now because i didn't snag which one it was but this was not written by me i will not take credit but it was so poignant it says um there was little doubt about the message sent by the 12 men and women who sat in judgment that day it was what the punks felt they knew all along. Teenagers deemed good kids could enjoy a sanctioned sort of rambunctiousness in Amarillo without fear of punishment, since a boys-will-be-boys attitude would pardon even their most egregious behavior. Such indulgences, however, did not apply to those who stood on the margins. Had the roles been reversed, if a football player had lost his life that night in the, at the hands of a punk, did anyone believe a jury would have rendered the same verdict? For punks, no. teenagers who had never had faith in the system... The outcome of the trial reaffirmed their worst fears and revealed the but true cost right. of a social order in which some boys are valued more than others. Um, so 
um, several musicians were inspired through this. Um, numerous tribute concerts have been made for Danicki since his death. In 2000, there was the Unity Through Diversity Festival in Amarillo. Um, the ten- on the 10th anniversary of his death, um, it there were 25 concerts being held across the United States um, and in Canada, including concerts in New York City, Chicago, and Seattle, and five concerts across Texas, including a two-day event in Amarillo. Half of the money raised by these events went to the National Organi- Organization of uh, for Parents of Murdered Children, and the other half went to various anti-prejudice causes. Um, the memorial concert's stated aims were, quote, Brian was only 19 years old when he succumbed to violent death due to, the preju- due to prejudice and ignorance. The memorial events will donate our profits to charities that fight hate crime. Brian's existence will continue to inspire others. Um, and then there were several songs that um, also um, keep Brian's memory alive, such as Brian's Song by 15 and another one called Brian's Song by the Code. Um, and the one that I actually really love that I had no idea was about him, Fortunes of War by Dropkick Murphys. Oh, I actually know that song. Yeah. Um, I know Sun- Sunshine Fist Magnet by Against All Authority and Sunshine by the Swellers. Um, and then one titled Brian Nikki by Christopher Owens. Um, so just... Um, just so much, yep. just so heavy. Um, so Joey, please don't, please don't recommend another case for at least two weeks. Uh, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Joey, three months. <laughs> Unless it's funny as fuck. And then we can talk. Yes. Um, oh my God. And next week we'll be reviewing Temptation Island. <laughs> next week we're going to actually watch The Bachelor. Listen to my heart. <laughs> Was that the, the one we were supposed to watch together that you lived listen, that on me on? Yeah, listen to your heart. Sorry. It's still on Hulu, I think. We can watch it if you want. Uh, no, it's okay. <sighs> um, what I will say is... My blood pressure is through the fucking roof right now. It, this did remind me of the way the narrative has changed and the focus of the narrative has changed. And while we are having important conversations about hate crimes today involving race, involving gender, involving um, gender identity, I mean, involving lots of things that there are also these all marginalized groups are having hate crimes brought against them and and the larger narrative that and conversation that has to continue to happen is we all have something we can do to help we all have an active role and we can't stop we have to fight for people we have to fight for people
I used to quote Dr. Seuss at a time like this, but we don't quote Dr. Seuss here anymore. No. <laughs> I'll quote Mr. Rogers. Look for the helpers. Yes. Um. So just know. I hate. I hate everything. I'm gonna go cry in the shower for a week until we record again. Yay! Just know that we love you, listeners. And we appreciate you. And um, we are so thankful that you share your time with us. And yes. that even whenever there are heavy cases like this, that you stay it, with us. It, 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 I'm glad we covered it. Yes. I am. It needs attention. There's not nearly enough attention on this case because while I knew it, I knew it in the past i didn't know it recently right and um it's so unreal and it's something i'm still getting used to that there's still so many people in the world that just hate other people i don't understand it yeah i don't it just takes so much energy yeah to care about things that don't affect me You know, and like legislation is being passed that should not be passed. Oh, and... let's talk about legislation for a minute. And like, it and just... on my other high horse, the Texas legis the Texas Senate is in session right now, and what they should be talking about is the power grid. Because if you live in Texas and you don't know this already, we're in extreme danger of the power grid going down again in the dead of fucking summer this summer. So good luck. But instead, what they're trying to do is control my uterus and yours if you're a woman. Or if you, yeah, if you have a uterus, they're trying to control it. Right. And, and they're trying to punish parents of transgender children for being good parents. And fuck all of that. And all I know it. Ted Cruz isn't part of the Texas Senate, but fuck you too. Because I just hate you in, in general. It's so. just easy to to remember to throw that in when we can. Just yes. sprinkle it in. Um, you know, I think about how much I, I hate Ted Cruz on the daily, so. Yeah. Well, and like, um, was it Minnesota you know that is trying to, what? Um, this week, the Senate, the U.S. Senate voted on the anti-Asian American hate bill. Uh-huh. Six senators opposed it. Not even Mitch McConnell is one of those senators. But Ted Cruz sure is. Yeah, like, what? What did they... How do you... I just... Fuck it. Mm -hmm. Maybe I will participate in 420. <laughs> Maybe I've changed my mind now. There you go. Welcome to the club. Right. Um, well, in any case, we appreciate you hanging out with us. We do. Mm -hmm. um, and if you have a case you'd like us to recommend, we will not, um, we will not publicly shame you. We promise. Um, that's a lie. We probably will. Not on the first time. This was, no, I think this is Joey's third case. No, nah, we'll st we'll still we'll still 
I make no promises. Here, uh, we're good cop, bad cop around here. No, we're we're no, good. Aaron, we are, bad we are not nope. cops around <laughs> That's here. That's why I changed it. Man, <laughs> having to unlearn everything I've ever said because I grew up in the South and we no. just like our default language is problematic like yeah that's that's the language we grew up speaking is problematic it's um, true i we've got to learn all new idioms so that's the book we're writing aaron we are writing idioms for the 21st century you know what we should i'm in tm 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 don't yeah. you dare don't y'all dare that still works <laughs> you dare <laughs> that idiom still tracks all right well um we will talk to all of you later um, well do oh, you want to tell the people where to find media? us i don't know at this point so, they always social, follow us. social media <laughs> you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash lifetime sentence yes on twitter at life sentence pod on instagram at lifetime sentence on tiktok at lifetime sentence um send us an email at podcast at lifetime sentence.com find our website at lifetime sentence.com and follow Mm -hmm. us over on patreon at patreon.com slash lifetime sentence this week i talked about marie laveau the voodoo queen of new orleans yes and next week I have a really exciting story that our friend Franny is writing for me. So, oh, how fun! Yeah, I'm excited. So, I am. Uh, I'm excited for to hear that. Um, and I just want to say, guys, until next time, um, fuck the police and yes. don't forget to eat your vegetables. But don't actually fuck the police. No. The thing. Don't firemen are still fair game. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Nobody ever read a song called Fuck the Firemen. <laughs> I mean they might have, but it's different definitely the other context. Yes, yes, for sure. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Did you say the one thing? I said eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. Bye. Bye.